Hi, and welcome to episode 444 of the MWA podcast. Yes, the triple fours. So um, I'm Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Sean and Brian. Mark, again, is on assignment. So today, we're excited to welcome back Katie Thompson as our guest. Katie is an artist, writer, instructor, and advocate. She is a creator of the Women in Woodworking Project, the Pen and Chisel Journal, among many, many other things. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, she is also uh, the social media and administrative director for the Wood Art Alliance and serves on the board of trustees for the Furniture Society. Katie is also married to Joseph Thompson, who is also a fine furniture maker and woodworking instructor. So, um, Katie, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you welcome. so much for having me back. You got it. Did, did Kyle leave anything off? Just wondering if there's more detail. Oh, there's a ton <laughs> I left off. There's oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I tried to go through it, you know, you know, luckily Katie has a nice about page on her website. There you so go. You can go through that. But I, but I know just following her, I'm missing a ton of stuff. So anyway, but it's quite the, quite the resume. Well, what's hilarious. I, I read the intro and I was like, Oh, I might have to copy and paste that. That's pretty succinct. <laughs> there you go. That's a nice concise list. Not bad at all. Well, anyway, we get to uh, get back to talking with Katie and visiting with her. Let's uh, dip our toes in the woodworking news. So uh, just today, as we're recording this, Handworks 2023 has opened their registration. Uh, their event's going to be held September 1st through 2nd. It is a totally free event. Um, so, you know, you got to pay for your own meals, lodging, and getting there. But um, they do like you to go ahead and register for the event so that they can kind of get a good idea of who's going to be attending and all of that. So, right. yeah, highly recommend you going out there. I think there are a couple of blog posts I saw out there. I think Lost Art Press had one about it today. So um, go out there and do it. And, you know, they have everybody that's anybody as far as um, hand tool uh, vendors and stuff out there. Everyone from... Blue Spruce to uh, Beckford to uh, Texas Heritage Woodworks Mm -hmm. to all of the folks. Mary May is going to be there. I mean, if you go out to their website and take a look at it, just just uh, just search for Handworks 2023 and you'll pop it up or it's handworks.co. And um, you can go there and register and uh, looking forward to seeing you there. I plan on going myself. Um, when was the, the, when was the last one? It's been a few years, right? Because they yeah it was, yeah it was COVID. supposed to be 2020, so 2019 might have yeah. been yeah the last one yeah. yeah yeah the normal normal cadence is every other year is that what they it was yeah mm-hmm. so it what is this is the fourth and yeah. so it's not been it's not been every year you know since its inception but um yeah what a what a list and it it always has been a fantastic collection of boutique makers and enthusiasts. Um, mm-hmm. I've never had the the chance. Uh, well, I've had the chance. I've never had the opportunity to go. But boy, howdy, um, I do want to go. Well, you better go this year because uh, um, Lost Our Press. Chris did mention in there this m- could be maybe the last one they hold because it is not a fundraiser. It's a free event that they put on out of the goodness of their hearts. It is a. Uh, it requires a lot of coordination and a lot of work to put this on. So we'll see. Mm. But the keynote is actually going to be uh, by Roy under Roy. Yeah. I yeah. Saw that. Saturday, saw that. Awesome. Saturday at 10 AM. So if um, nothing else for the price of zero, come watch Roy talk. Cause it's worth it. That's exactly. Now it's, you know, it's near Amana, Iowa. So um, I'm not sure exactly how far that is away from you, Sean. It's a bit. It's a bit. 
How? I, I, that's the question. How far is it from you? Because I bet it's almost equal. Oh, it's got to be. I don't know. It's got to be like at least. It'd probably be two day travel to get up there for me. Oh, okay. It's not that bad. I mean, yeah. I say that because I've I've driven to. I mean, if Des Moines, I did Des Moines, Des Moines yeah. is like a it was eight or ten hours. I can't remember. Yeah. Not not too terrible, but this is not exactly. Oh, I guess it is kind of like central Iowa. Yep. Uh, hold on. Got it. Hold on. Wait just a second. Google, do your thing. Oh, it's seven and a half hours. That's not oh, bad. That's not bad. Brian, Brian road trip. Come and pick me up. Well, you know what? I'm looking at this attendee list. You know, Steve Lotta lives, a, well, at least uh, he's in the Lancaster, York area, which is 30, 40 minutes from me. So I'll just hop in his car mm-hmm. and come on, come on out. But yeah, this is I impressive. Mean, Sterling Toolworks, yeah. Ron Breeze will be there. Breeze Plains. Mm-hmm. Breeze, yeah. I haven't seen Breeze in years. Jenny, Jenny Bauer, Voight, uh, Voight Plains. Veritas, Lee Nielsen, uh, Benchcrafted, obviously. Texas, Hawk. Sauer and Steiner. Yep. Mike, Mike Simpson. If you've never met Mike Simpson, oh, that guy. I should wear my Noggler shirt from 2012 or whatever it was. You <laughs> like, <did. laughs> that would be fun. That's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It, it's such a long list. And I, I honestly, looking at it, because I've, I've looked into it in the previous years, and they hold it in this beautiful barn. Um mm-hmm. And now I think it's multiple sites because they've expanded so much. But this, it's, it's like, how do you pack this many things into what is a fairly small space? Yep. I mean, it, it's really, really cool. And they have a ton of door prizes, too. So mm-hmm. Let's see, yeah. Veritas, I'm guessing Lee Nielsen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's such a long list, it's kind of hard to keep track. But yep. yeah, definitely, definitely something I got to yep. look into. I plan on I plan on going. I've never have been to one, but you know it's always uh, dependent upon hurricanes because that's uh, yeah back in the middle of hurricane season. So if something is stirring around the Gulf, I may not be able to make it, but I'm going to do my best to get up there. I'm going to at least make reservations and everything. Yeah, right? yeah, we should really you know, really tell and all that stuff. If, yeah, if I remember looking at it, like there's there's big towns within like a 20 minute drive. I forget what town it is, but. You know, mm-hmm. Amana, there's limited, but there are other things that aren't too, too far away. Um, so you might look at lodging around yep. there. I'm sure the details are on the website of where to go and where to Yeah, stay. yeah, exactly. I just saw it's Labor Day weekend. Okay, so that's Yeah, it's going to be Labor Day weekend. Yeah, long, long weekend. Okay, good. Yeah. I might have to come out. Oh, Brian. Very fun. Good yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I'll leave the credit card at home, though, because this will yeah. get expensive in a hurry. Yes, it could. Yes, uh, I mean, could. that's that's yeah. the hope to walk out of there without spending anything. That's that's my personal goal. But uh, <laughs> no, Sauer no and Steiner. I don't know. That's the one thing I still need. <laughs> that's dangerous talk. <laughs> yep, that is that is. Ugh. Well, anyway, well, one of the exhibitors there is Caleb James, and uh, he's next on our list of in the woodworking news. He has a master class. Wow that um, you can get for free, The Art of Chairmaking by Caleb James. It's being sponsored by Shaper Origin. So um, all you have to do is go in and register. And he has, I think it's four lessons out there. has a lesson on chair design, a lesson on card scraper techniques, a lesson on hand shaping, and a lesson on making templates with the origin. So everything that he's doing a lesson on is not, you know, Shaper Origin related except it looks like the last one um i did sign up i haven't watched any of the lessons yet this i just this just came out of, i believe yesterday um so you know i encourage you to go out there and uh, give it a listen it doesn't cost you anything to give them your email address to uh shape origin that's what it costs so there you go 
but it looks pretty good. And uh, yeah, it does look. look knowing really knowing good. Caleb, it's first rate instruction. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so anyway, I thought I'd let people know about that and check that out. Uh, just go to uh, shapertools.com and uh, you can sign up for that. And I forgot to mention um, on our last episode, I am putting links to everything we're discussing now on the um, in the little description we post the episode so if you haven't been looking at the description go go over there and look over there and there should be links to everything we're discussing on the episodes going forward and check back to the last couple i've been doing the last couple of episodes but uh anyway moving on um uh woodworking news would not be complete without a stop at woodpeckers they have <laughs> a new one-time tool and it is called a simple set fence gauge, and it's for your table saw, and it's basically a little gauge that you can reference to keep your alignment of your fence and blade um, dialed in. And also, it's it's just kind of a little device that fits in your miter slot and has a stainless steel um, rod that fits in there and can extend out through this little device in your miter slot, so you can gauge you know whether you're blade is in calibration or whether your fence is in calibration to the motor slot and also you can use it to uh, repeat things so if you're doing a cut that you need to move your fence for and need to come back to you can use this gauge to you know uh, reference where that fence was before and um, it comes with two of these devices which is nice and it's only a hundred and twenty dollars which is not not too shabby as far as price wise goes so it's kind of it's kind of neat. Uh, it would be, you know, real handy, especially doing repeat cuts and stuff like that. And uh, I think it also comes with a handy dandy um, little hanger, so you can hang it on your shop wall. Oh, you got to display your woodpecker stools. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I do like the idea of because my for, maybe I'm too hard on it, but my fence gets out of whack at a, cal a calibration a lot. So this this would be a real quick and dirty way to get it back. Yeah, and the only thing, question I have on between the two separate parts, how do you how do you set them up to make sure that they're parallel or within two three thousandths at the exit part of the blade? You know, like you you have that like safe safe run out gap. Um, I think if they're using, not graduated or anything, yeah. I, I think they said you can use little feeler gauges to do yeah, that. Yeah. I think if oh. you, yeah, I think if you're you know trying to set up, you know seeing if you're your fence or blade are parallel to the miter slot and using this, I think you would only use one of them at a time. Mm, I would mm -hmm. um, well, that's true. You just slide it up and down because it's got yeah. that, that little leaf spring thing that centers it or, or holds it tight in the slot. Yeah. 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 Oh, very cool. I mean, it really, yeah, not a, not a terrible price for, um, for a mix of aluminum and stainless yeah. in these, mm -hmm. these days, you know? Um, uh, but so yeah, if, it, if you need more red on your wall, get yourself one. Yeah, it's not bad. It's I think it's it's pretty. Neat. I think this is like the third or fourth device they have for doing these types of measurements. So true, I think they're hitting all the price points. <laughs> That's very true. Yes, I have their original version with the um, one, and it works really well. That of course that one um, used with the dial indicator. So That's what I yeah, that to, was yeah. the one yeah. that yeah, it it's like two is it like two bars and it sits on or there's some like. Yep. The, the way it, yeah, the way it sits in the slot, it's like it's just it's it, not balanced, but it pressures into that, and then it's like you know it's centered, and then yeah, you yep. run the feeler up and down or the dial gauge. Yeah, I think yep. it's, I think it's one my dad has. I might have gotten it for Christmas or something. 
Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, so check that out over at woodpeck.com. Oh, show sure. for sure. Well, do we have a patron shout out this week? Oh, you sure bet we do. We'd like to give a big <laughs> thanks to our Patreon supporters. Today, we're going to give that shout out to Joe Bass or Bass, depending. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's spelled the same. Uh, if you would like to help support the MWA podcast like Joe, go to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. Fantastic. Thanks, Joe. And you well, can tell us, Joe. Let us know if exactly. it's bass or bass. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna bet bass. Could I be. So. Yeah. W- what if he's a musician? Well, then, then it would be Joe well, Bass. Well, yeah. what if he's a professional competitive fisherman? So exactly. Uh, what if, what if he's a baritone? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now it could be anything. <laughs> Maybe he just changes the pronunciation depending on the circumstances. So. There you right. go. Yeah, it is fluid in that way. That's nice. Exactly. Well, so Brian, what, what are you working on in the shop? Um, I have a lot of little stuff going on, not so much in the shop related. Uh, I finally, uh, maybe three weeks ago, at the, got the last garden bed out, the wooden garden bed. And I just had a, a local woodworker came to get all the wood for it. He's actually going to use it to heat his wood shop. So I'm just glad it was going to a, um, you know, a, a woodworker and be a good, good reason because I was just going to light it all on fire in the backyard and one big bonfire. <laughs> So he he came and got he took him three trips but he got all of it and I he found some quarter sawn boards underneath my deck that he was you know, that were still in good shape he was very excited about so that's out of my hair thankfully uh, we're still doing our garage renovation for a um, athletic field for lack of a better term so I was telling Kyle before the show I now have twenty holes in my ceiling for the lights oh and um, you know it's a uh, yeah everything worked out as far as spacing uh, I bought. Uh, like a circle jig for my roto zip, which saved so much time. It just, you know, about five seconds a hole. I and have that. Isn't it great? Yeah, it was fantastic. Loud, very loud. Uh, yes. But, but it worked great. Uh, so uh, once now we're painting, once the painting is done, we'll get the lights up. And then um, actually the turf is ready. I got an email today. So I'm going to go pick it up in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on Friday. And then we'll be okay. cooking, cooking and going uh, as fast as we can here. So, yeah. Um, and I finally was at my new job long enough to get my stipend for a standing desk. So the the uh, electrical <laughs> frame just came. So and I'm going to try to source some local walnut. Uh, uh, we have a small family-owned lumber yard near me. And uh, I want to use some, uh, you know, like a, a nice, he has some air-dried walnut, which if you've never really worked with it, it's almost purple. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic and, um, mm-hmm. to work with. Uh and here's a pro tip. If, like, I'm a hobbyist. I'm not a contractor or, or a professional person by any means. But I found out if if you show up first thing in the morning at places like this and you bring coffee for the person, you'll you'll you will get the contractor discount. Uh, so that's just the pro tip for you right there. It's there worked, you go. It's worked about eighty five percent of the time so far. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. And just imagine if you brought donuts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, sh- I should have did that when I ordered all the logs for the garden. That would have saved me a lot of money. Uh, so that's why I got a lot of little this, a little of that, but I haven't got anything huge going on in the shop yet. Hopefully soon. No, it's good that it's coming together though. And that's progress. Yeah. Is good. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just amazing how this stuff adds up cost wise, but you know, it should let, you know, we'll be using it for six or seven years at least. Right. If not, if not longer. So, right. And, yeah, and then, I'm... and then the resale is pretty high. So I should reclaim oh, a lot good. of that money back. I mean, not so much for that, but I'm sure the, the, the girls are, you know, there's equipment that they're growing out of, but we just had a discussion with our lacrosse stuff 
somebody's 10 year old, somebody has, you know, is starting up in the sport. Hey, do we have anything to loan them to get them mm-hmm. off the ground? And, you know, yeah, I mean, we got a, all, all sorts of manners of equipment and, and stuff from the back. And, you know, we've even given one of our goals with one point, I had three goals in my backyard. <laughs> Why? I don't need three, but I had three. And so somebody yeah. took one and needed a little repair. The guy's repairing it and go ahead, practice, practice in your own yard. Works for me. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what we got going on. Sean, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to say even less. I'm going to plead the fifth. I've got nothing going on. Um, not that I'm going to be incriminated by what I am doing, but uh, no, I haven't touched my shop in, in a little oh, more than a month. I need to correct that. Kyle, how about you? <laughs> I'm just working on uh, getting product out the door. That's about it. Um, How's new, the new bits and stuff going? New bits are going good. We did. I was going to mention that. We did have one little hiccup. And I was with the half inch bits and I sent them back. Uh, they were, they were cutting. Okay. But I thought a little slow, uh, than what I'm used to. I, I, so I'm not sure exactly what the problem was. I think maybe the center brad wasn't sharpened quite enough or something like that. So anyway, the company's great. They took them back. They're re- reworking them. So I should get them back. I think they should be shipping out this week as we're recording. So hopefully, Next week, I'll have them. So we'll see how it goes. This is normal. You know, when I was working with Patrick, we had some of the same issues when we were developing the bits. It was just, you know, he was, you know, a few miles away. So it wasn't that big a deal. He could go back and forth and meet up. So working with the company, it's a little bit harder, but we'll get it worked out. I, I have have um, every uh, faith that we'll, uh, it was fun just talking to the company. And uh, I was, asking uh the guy you know hey you know what you know what's your job title there and all that kind of stuff and he was like third generation owner of the company so. oh <laughs> that's a good guy to be talking to exactly exactly love those relationships yeah exactly so um so once we get this nailed in then we'll move on to uh having them work on our stilettos but um yeah should be it should be good so i'm looking forward to that besides that i've just been trying to you know, crank out as, as much product as I can so I can have a little inventory. Um, it's not working out that well because um, everything seems to be selling fairly well. So it was like, um, you know, I was doing eight stretcher jigs. I was going to knock out eight of those. I actually did blanks for to not to do 20. And I've almost got the eight to where I can put finish on them. I've already sold seven of the eight. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're flying off the shelf. What can you say? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I'll have to do another batch of eight as soon as I get these done. So, hey, but it's a good problem to have. So, and I appreciate Perfect. everyone's everyone's support out there. Really, really do appreciate it. So, but uh, besides that, I just uh, there's a couple of things I got brewing. I just need to uh, to work on. So, a couple of other interesting ideas. I think people will. Uh, dig but oh that's all i'll say for right now it'll probably be three four months where i can get around to it but more um with that so katie what are you working on in uh your shop or studio well actually i had a pretty busy fall and winter in the shop and um i have a collection with the college of charleston uh i'm an alumni there and have a, I may have actually talked about this on the last time I was on here. Um, that project is still ongoing, but had a Laurel Oak fall in the historic part of campus. And so 
I got it and made a small collection of, of items for the Alumni Association, a bottle opener, oyster knife, and then also cufflinks and a necklace and earrings. And um, they sell them in the Alumni Association uh, building hall. Um, it's a beautiful old library. Um, but uh, raising money for student scholarships and alumni services. And so I had kind of caught up on that over the the fall and winter and um also had two back surgeries thrown in there so very physically you know demanding fall and winter so i had to spend a little bit of time catching up i as you know already um i write and you know make a lot of content and other things too so i felt like i kind of had to sit down and catch up on that for a little while but um what's nice right now is um in, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be able to get back in the shop myself and make stuff just for me. I actually haven't had the opportunity to really make things for myself in quite a long time. I've either been talking about making things or, um, you know, filling an order or something like that, which is wonderful and I love doing. But um, this year, I'm really kind of focused on my imagination and allowing that and just kind of, you know, and just kind of like make mistakes and make bad stuff. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so yeah, I have um, two boards of salted maple down there that I, I think are gonna maybe become some sort of necklace piece next. So, oh, cool! Yeah, cool! Yeah. Well, th- that's fantastic. Yeah. So, so primarily, any what projects are you thinking? Is it all going to be jewelry related, or are you looking at doing some other stuff besides that? I actually, so you mentioned Mary May earlier, and she is yeah. just a dear and like my my mentor <laughs> you know as far as um really changing the game for women in the industry and mm-hmm. right before covid she let me sit in on one of her carving classes at charleston Working school and so i've i've had this idea for some kind of abstract carving pieces um for a little bit so i'd like to kind of explore that a little bit i have mm-hmm. a couple of pieces that i've done but um, would really like to work on my carving skills and improve those some more too. So, um, not all, ju- not all jewelry. Um, mm-hmm. I, so, so yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, I need to get into some carving too. I, I, we had, um, you clay on a few months ago and he really spurred me to, uh, try the chip carving stuff out and I, bought everything but i haven't had time yet to try everything out i got all the tools i got the basswood i got everything but i need to sit down and uh you know i think that's something i can actually i can actually probably not even have to do that in the shop i could probably set up a little workstation here in the house and you know just do something in the evenings that that might be nice but anyway Yeah. yeah so uh but yeah, that's 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 very interesting. So you're finally going to get to work on some stuff for yourself. That's oh, that, that's incredible. <laughs> you can, <laughs> which you can, hear, can, you can hear the hope in in Kyle. It's, it's refreshing. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You can hear the hope. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I'll be quite honest. I don't know how I got here, so I can't tell you. <laughs> can't, can't give you any advice. I just woke up one day. I'm like, oh, you know, I I don't you know have an order that i have to fill or you know yeah. um, kind of a, some something specific that i have to actually make um now i i definitely will still be writing and working and, and doing a lot of other things but as far as actually what i'm going to make myself it's it's all for me right now which is really nice and 
I played a couple, you know, um, you mentioned chip carving. That's another technique I'd really like to get into and explore more. But um, I've just made a couple of small gifts for friends, things like that. You know, it's, it's nice to, that's a nice thing about carving for me is, and you mentioned like being able to just like sit somewhere at the end of the night and do it. Um, I'm actually an ambulatory wheelchair user. So carving is really attractive to me because of that, because mm-hmm. I can just like pull my wheelchair up to, to a table and, you know, strap something down with a clamp and go to town. And um, yep. it's really accessible. Um, even for some, you know, I do have some um, issues with my arms and hands and, um, carving is still pretty accessible for me, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very nice. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. It is one of the more accessible um, avenues of our craft, I guess. Um, that and what else? We had um, uh, had Paul Jasper on, and he turned me on to a couple of pyrographers to do the pyrography, the wood stuff. And man, I've just I've gone down a few rabbit holes with uh, some of their work it's like incredible stuff you know they're not only doing that but sometimes they paint uh, a little bit afterwards and some of the stuff's just pretty pretty intricate and outstanding work so anyway i yeah i need to i need to stop looking at stuff like that and just concentrate on what i need to do because it's going to be uh, it's one of those things there's so much to do in the craft and so many rabbit holes to go down yeah Yeah, so many things to do and so many things to learn. You can get lost doing and get lost researching as well. (laughs) Exactly. Uh Exactly. Well, tell us a little bit about the the women in woodworking. I think we talked, you just kind of launched that, and I know you have just expanded it ever since then. So tell us what's what's happening there. Now, you know, I I do get you, I am subscribed to your newsletter, so I kind of know a little bit. But for those that aren't, um, what's going on with women in woodworking right now? Sure. Well, the project started out, as you mentioned, um, just an interview series on my blog, and I had you know, of course, all the other things that I was doing, but it was just a project that everyone seemed to really resonate with, my readers really like, and um, I just had a lot of really amazing people that I looked up to uh, engage my work and encourage me to keep moving forward, one of them um, being Mary May, actually. So when um, the shutdown happened, you know, we were all kind of locked in our house, what are we going to do? I had been wanting to incorporate, you know, video and interviews um things like that for a while just hadn't had the bandwidth to do so so i think i think the first live stream i did one wednesday evening you know pretty late and was just like you know hey if anybody wants to hop on and chat let's go and lo and behold mary may (laughs) (laughs) just hopped on the live stream and started talking with me and it just really inspired me i was like you know if mary believes in this there's something here for sure and so once a week, I started um, Women of Woodworking Wednesdays, and on Instagram Live, I would talk to um, a different, you know, woman trans or non-binary woodworker or craftsperson from around the world. It became, you know, an international following, and um, still doing, you know, I'm still kind of doing some of the written interviews here and there for Popular Woodworking and things like that. Um, but after about a year or two, it grew into a partnership with a furniture society, which I'm so grateful, um, for everything that they provided for the project and became an, uh, affinity group. And our first meeting, our first virtual meeting, I think we had 80 people there and it was just so inspiring and so moving. Uh, and we met 
once a month virtually and then, you know, kind of spaced it out as, you know, people slowly went back to regular life and the world has kind of opened back up. And now it has transformed back into more of a focus on the interview series again. Uh, just had an interview with uh, Nava Millicent from the Museum of Art and Wood with the Furniture Society, I think, back in February. And it was just really nice to, uh, she had, you know, Nava had been on my bucket list for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to have a, a platform um, with the Furniture Society to be able to speak with her. And she's doing a lot of really great work over there and going through a lot of transitions there at the museum as well. So it was a really special interview and it was really nice to kind of ease back into that side of things um you know i've done interviews and co-hosted on podcasts and things like that over the years but really what it is the project at its heart has been a community and their stories and so it's really nice to get back to focusing on uh, sharing those stories and kind of pulling people out of their shops and getting them to speak a little bit about what they do and connect um with others i that is one thing that I, you know, inspired me to start the project, but I've also heard from a lot of other, you know, women and non-binary woodworkers is that is a very, you feel very isolated. You can feel, you can often be the only woman in your wood guild meeting or the only woman woodworker in your area or furniture maker or what have you. And um, it's been really nice to provide this platform for people to be able to connect and uh, see that we are out there in all shapes and sizes all over the world mm-hmm. just it's been transformative so um it's it's still going strong i have just it has brought so much to to my life and then also uh to be able to share these stories and actually um i i took a little bit of a hit this past year nancy hiller was one of those mm-hmm. first yeah. readers of mine that really encouraged me to keep going and I found, you know, when we lost her, I was, I, I lost a little bit of my reason for writing. I, I discovered that I, I wrote for Nancy. I, I wrote for people like Nancy. And so to lose her was a little bit of like, well, you know, what now? And I know that she would just want it to keep going and keep going. Yeah. So yeah, she'll probably tell you, tell you to double down on everything. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, Nancy would probably just tell so. you to double down on everything. So. <laughs> for sure she was so always sending me names you know yep. try just like you know the whole project is just trying to uplift others and she very much embodied that and um she's missed greatly so yeah oh, absolutely yeah. absolutely now you're still doing the uh the wednesday lives so i think you got one coming up um i, I do think, i do I um think, about once yeah, a month now. about once a month i think the next one's march 29th i think this show might post after that date but uh you'll have one in uh, april then so and these are open yeah, for everyone keep, yeah right sorry i yeah. keep cutting you off no, no that's um right. i i do them the last wednesday of the month just kind uh-huh. of a quick rundown of what's happening some months are busier than others but um yeah it's while i've been a little bit more um i guess like focused and intentional with the content i've been creating for the project the community itself is bursting at the seams right now. There are so many classes being offered by women instructors. There's so many scholarship opportunities out there. Like it is, I have to, it used to be like, I'd have to um, really look for women focused events or exhibitions or opportunities or things like that. And now like I have to cut it off at 10 in my newsletter every month. I, I, in my, 
free newsletter I send out, um, I do a highlights of about 10 to 12 things happening in the community. And um, I have to cut it off because there's just, there's so many things happening now. It's such a good problem to have. Um, it's, it's a really exciting time to be a woman in woodworking. So that's so good to hear. Honestly. Yes. <laughs> like, get it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think the exposure to, I think women have always been in woodworking, but I think the, the exposure of people getting out there has really increased over the last, probably the last five years has been incredible, but probably going back the last 10 years, it's just really ramped up. I think. As okay. far as, you know, absolutely. recognition and events uh, and stuff like that. So it's absolutely outstanding. Now, one thing that you've also, I think, I don't think you had this out when, or you were just releasing it when last time you were on, but tell us a little bit about the uh, pen and chisel journal that you do. Yeah. So pen and chisel started, I started that in, I think, 2021. Um, it started, I just needed a platform to share some of these interviews, share all of this content that I was creating and also had so many other members of the community wanting to share and create. And it started out as, uh, you know, a monthly digital journal. Um, it it poured my heart and soul into it, had, um, lots of contributors and it, it just really was really a really great project for me to kind of figure out, okay. Um, what is women of woodworking doing? What do I want to do? You know, what do I want to say as a, a writer and craft and like, what kind of change do I want to create? And I, I just, honestly, I, I kind of got tired of shopping around my content. I got tired of writing, you know, these awesome interviews and then having to like try to justify to other publications and places why it was worth publishing this, even though I had an incredible engagement, a great following, it was, I was tired of trying to fit somewhere that wasn't really interested in, in trying to accommodate mm-hmm. that type of content at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and, um, and even now, you know, two years later, the publication itself has shifted. I've, uh, you know, I had, again, as I mentioned earlier with women of woodworking, you really narrowed down the type of content and the amount of content that I'm able to create. I just, there's only 24 hours in a day and I have to sleep sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Overrated. (laughs) Quitter. Oh Lord, uh, don't tease me. <laughs> but, um, so, but I really also, you know, pen and chisel. It became a little bit more than just being focused on stories. It was about, um, you know, educating. It, there were, was research. There was just so many wonderful parts to it. But it was a lot of work. So, in order for me to kind of harness what I really wanted to say and and how I wanted to say it, I've. Uh, Pen and Chisel has now become more of just like an infrequent um, newsletter of mine where, of course, um, discuss, you know, different projects that I'm working on. But it's allowed me a platform to share some of this research that I do for hours on end um, and these stories that I chase down, you know, in my free time rather than having to, you know, pitch and beg and Mm-hmm. try to, you know, get someone to give me a grant or something like this. I can do this. And fortunately, I have some very generous paid subscribers that are very interested in, in these stories still. So I was worried that when I um, cut back on the journal that that I, I really was worried. I was like, oh, gosh, like, I'm going to lose readers. I'm going to lose subscribers. Like, 
how is how is this going to be comparable? How is one or two, you know, stories that I'm really passionate about going to be comparable in value to what I was giving, which was several stories, interviews, um, you know, calendars, and and just all different kinds of tips and inside, you know, um, you know, things to to share with folks and. I was just really touched by my readers. You know, I sent the email. I was like, you know, this, I, I basically, I can't keep going like I'm going. And the, the response was really nice. I didn't lose a single subscriber. And it was just really kind and reassuring that they were there because of the stories. They were there mm-hmm. because of the passion that I had behind it. And yes, they appreciated all the content and things that I poured into it before, but they're really interested in what I'm interested in. So it's, really taking the pressure off of me to produce content. That was the other thing is I felt like I was trying to just produce content, just to make something. And I'm mm-hmm. not interested in that at all. I, <laughs> if I'm going to do something, yeah. it's got to be, you know, it's got to be worth it. And it's really got to speak to me. And um, so now, you know, um, I, I'll be honest, I think I've kind of held back a little bit. Um, Pen and Chisel, I also wanted it to be, um, it has become a place where, um, you know, yes, I have <laughs> professors and which is just, you know, so touching to me that um, people in academia look at this journal as a place they want to publish their research and work as well. Um, so it's provided an outlet for that. But it's also provided a place for woodworkers to kind of like say some things they want to say, get some things off their chest. I also wanted it to be a publication where you wouldn't see people that looked like you all the time or you wouldn't talk here. Um, or you would read about topics um, that you wouldn't necessarily read about in a traditional woodworking magazine. And um, it's it's gone pretty well. And it was very well received. And, and I really love doing it. And, you know, I have, I'm working on my next issue right now. And it's kind of like, all right, I think I'm going to be pushing the envelope a little bit on this. But it also, uh, the topic is very clearly at a time where we need to, you know, just because things have been done the same way forever doesn't mean that there can't be a better way to do them so um definitely keeping pushing it in that direction so like a refreshing perspective i mean you normally would never guess that that would be you know discussed in the woodworking world and it's you know probably long overdue that we've been more inclusive than we are even even just on the gender level it's usually the old boys club and it's we should have got away from that 100 years ago absolutely well and what's been really um amazing to me in um my research the research of others particularly Deidre Visser and her book I'm also um communicating back and forth with uh Craig Delrock right now who is researching Joyce Anderson who was I she was up there showing her work with Nakashima and Maloof Mm -hmm. she she was a leader in wood turning, not just because she was a woman, but also for the time and, and just the transformative period that woodworking and studio furniture went through. She, she was a huge part of that, but nobody knows her and, mm. and nobody, nobody knows her, her story. And um, Craig is, has been very kind to, to share his, his research with me and um, really follow Joyce's story. And so um how many other Joyce's have there been out there? You know, Joyce was one that we know about because her work was recognized on a level, you know, that we have documentation of it. But um, women have been woodworking for a very, very long time. 
And um, it's nice now that technology is allowing us to go back and look at these pieces of history and what remnants we do have and see that, you know, um, I was very touched in um, De- in Deidre's book, um, Joinery, Joyce and Gender, I think that's, that's um, the title of it. But she had a picture in there from a nearby college I live outside of Charleston, South Carolina, near Orangeburg. And there was a picture from the early 1900s of Claflin University. And it was women, um, black women, actually, in a, in a wood shop learning woodworking, you know, in the turn of the century in this black and white photograph. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, women were here woodworking up the street from me, you know, and this is, it was just like, wow, to have that in her book. Um, it was just really neat to, to see that the history has been there. It's just now it's finally coming, coming out and the stories are being told. Yeah. Do you, so good. So good, yeah. I, I don't mean to maybe kind of take a tangent, but do you think with the advent of social media in the last five or 10 years, that's accelerated the, uh, the uptake of women into the crafts like woodworking? I would think so. I, I absolutely would because it's one thing to have an idea, but you there are sometimes and there are just some people, you know, creatively that operate this way that can't visualize something until they see someone that looks like them doing it. They Correct. don't even yeah. think yeah. it's an opportunity. They don't think it's an option. Um, and now you can. Now you can get on Instagram and see people of all shapes and sizes mm-hmm. making, creating, mm-hmm. sharing and um I think it's helped people learn a lot more. You know, they've been introduced to things that they normally wouldn't have been exposed to had they not had, you know, technology and the world at their doorstep. You know, previously they maybe would have gone their entire life and never even learned how to hand like what. But now, you know, um, they have this exposure and then also seeing uh, what other people are doing, not just nearby, but around the world. It's been incredibly inspiring to see women in Mexico, creating gender-inclusive woodworking co-ops. It's what has been happening here in the States is also happening in Europe and all these other places. And so it's really inspiring to see, like, we're doing this, and this is a global phenomenon. This isn't just an American thing or what have you. And um, I think it's really confidence-boosting as well. Yeah, to, yeah, to see yeah. that and empowering so yeah. and just the access to knowledge you know um you can youtube anything you want and then you know you might not get the best education but you can learn <laughs> something you know pretty pretty easily so um absolutely absolutely social media is, i i having majored that was my major um was communications and actually communication theory and it was i graduated in 2009 right when facebook was becoming really big and mm-hmm. i just look at the conversations that we have like in our lectures now and i'm like oh, i'm like 100 years too early <laughs> because looking back on this it's just going to be wild um the impact not just on uh you know the woodworking industry but at large, it's just going to be fascinating for future researchers. I'm jealous. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I, I think it's also interesting that, um, you know, I follow a lot of instructors and teachers and and uh, different places that offer classes. And, you know, they always, you know, if, especially if it's a short-term class, they always have the, you know, group photo of the people in the class and all that kind of stuff. And it's now common to see, you know, women as part of the classes. You know, at one time, 
you know, just a few years ago, it would be just, you know, a bunch of old white guys. But, <laughs> but uh, now it's like it's it's common to see not, not one woman, but several in a class. So that is just, you know, I think that kind of outlet and I think especially like your social media that shows that, hey, this is an approachable hobby. And from everybody, all the woodworkers I know, hey, the more the merrier. And uh, it is absolutely, um, you know, encouraging to see that. And I think encouraging to see a lot of instructors not only uh, devote um, some actual time, but also scholarships and stuff like that to uh, women and uh, non-binary people. Absolutely. You know, it's, mm. it's action with intention is, mm. is so much more powerful than we realize. And, and I would agree. I'm, you know, what Aspen Golan is doing with the Chairmakers Toolbox the classes that you know they're able to offer the mentors that they're able to bring in and this just everything is like is this real life like mm -hmm. it's it's you know the, the real life it's mm -hmm. all the change all the work everything is the results happening in real time and it's just so beautiful to see the work that she's doing and um and i would agree and again coming from like a disability standpoint i saw i think mary had uh, another student in a power chair in one of her pictures not too long ago and you know there's a lot of wheelchair woodworkers and a lot of people out there that that mm -hmm. you know woodworking is is it's a universal language and especially once you fall in love with it it's hard to let it go so um it's it's really nice to see just how diverse and how much things are changing i started women of woodworking back in 2015 and you know to look at the way things were then versus how they are now, it's just like, oh, it's, yeah. it's night and day, you know, I, whereas before, you know, I felt like I didn't know any other women woodworkers. Now that's all I do. That's like all I talk to are other, you know, women <laughs> non-binary woodworkers. So it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You don't know anybody here. Hang out with us. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> Well, one thing you mentioned that I meant to ask you about is tell us a little bit about the uh, Furniture Society for those that aren't familiar with that organization. Yeah, so the Furniture Society is a wonderful organization. Um, we're a national nonprofit. Um, gosh, I don't even know how many years old we are. But uh, in 2021, I um, started partnering with them for the Affinity Group. And after that, they very kindly asked me to join their um, board of trustees. and it's just incredible what that organization is doing and what that community is is really doing to try to advance education and opportunities for folks in the furniture making industry going into uh woodworking and you know getting my my bill of furniture making when i first joined with my husband joseph gosh 12 years ago i the opportunities that and the programs that the Furniture Society are able to offer now, especially as far as professional development, scholarships, mentorship, um, portfolio reviews, things like that. I, I would have just, oh my gosh, I mean, I, I would have been, I, I was, I was like searching for, I mean, searching for those things, you know, at the beginning of my career, or an emerging artist, maker, trying to find my voice to be able to have access to something like that would have been game changing. So um, actually Aspen Golan, again, within the past year, last summer at our, our virtual conference, um, launched a professional development program. And basically 
offering different courses like photography, how to photograph your work, uh, resume and CV writing, um, how to write a good grant application, all the things about being an artist or a small business owner that you have to do, but nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you're not going to learn in, in the in furniture making school or whatever, but are, are just as important to know if you're going to try to make a living off of this. So um, that was a very successful program last summer, and they have just like taken it and run with it. And so now uh, in April, see, there's three different courses that they're offering, and um, as well as our conference coming up in New Orleans in June, there will be some scholarship opportunities and, and different educational opportunities there too. But it's just, you know, you hear nonprofit and you think, oh, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape, <laughs> a lot of, oh, board of trustees. Okay, well, we're an all-volunteer board. So I think that right there sets the tone for what kind of people we have in our community and are wanting to lead the way here. And also what our goals are. We're here because we genuinely want to make a difference. We're not here because we're making money or, you know, have some sort of like direct way to profit off of this. We're just here because most of us are educators or instructors um, or artists ourselves or collectors, um, people within the industry. And we want to see this continue to grow. And so be it to, to see things like this professional development program go from being a conversation on a Zoom call to actually being something that is giving the student an opportunity to grow and, and launch and to see that happen in real time has been really awesome. And I know the Furniture Society over the years, um, even just the name itself, I know I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, you know, that sounds kind of hoity-toity. Like, I don't know if I'd really belong there. And I'm here to say that you do. And um, just the the partnership with Women of Woodworking, um, again, all of the work that we're doing and the board is awesome. And all, we have amazing volunteers, um, especially with the Women of Woodworking program. I mean, I reach mm-hmm. out for a volunteer, you know, hey, come help us with our affinity group meeting or something. I mean, I'm barely getting the call out before I have somebody, you know, ready to go. And so that's just the type of community it is. And um, I'm really proud to be a part of that organization. And excited for for what's ahead too and um that is not the only (laughs) organization that i work with um i now work with the um wood art alliance formerly the collector um collectors of wood art uh that was a nonprofit, very thriving for for years but unfortunately took a hit with covid and um but since then we have um rebranded got a whole new website and have relaunched and are looking to make advancements in the field of wood art. And that's been um, really exciting for me. I love Women of Woodworking and Pen and Chisel, and I love those things. But um, the Wood Art Alliance, I feel like I can just talk about anything wood, all things wood art, you know, right. highlight anybody's. And um, it's been really fantastic to get to know some of our members and just see the variety and the scope of what wood art really means. And um, I've had people approach me saying, you know, would I benefit from an organization like this? You know, should I become a member? And, you know, like my work doesn't necessarily fall in the traditional, you know, wood art sense of things where I'm trying to get away from that, or I, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's the thing is, is wood art, it's, it can really be anything. Um, if you want to, you know, turn something and then paint a surrealist painting on it. You can do that if you want to make, you know, a very intricate 
you know, sculpture, maze thing, you know, if you want to carve animals, if you want to carve spoons, if you want to, you know, turn vessels, it's just the possibilities are endless. And I feel like the Wood Art Alliance just allows everyone to just express themselves and be themselves and explore um, and celebrate just how how diverse wood art really is. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Now, you also do some artwork on your own. So tell us a little bit I about do. some of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I've always loved abstract art. I've always mm -hmm. loved, um, you know, more contemporary art. I've, in fact, really was not a huge fan of woodworking because I felt like it was like really old, you know, old school, old white dude type stuff. Yep. Um, that at, at first, you know, when I was in college, I... I wasn't looking at woodworking. I was at the Contemporary Art Center and, and more interested in that. So um, woodworking has been a very, like, unexpected but wel welcome player <laughs> into my, like, bag of tools of things that I do. And um, I, I, I've always loved abstract art because, you know, it's, I'm just able to kind of get into that liminal space with shape and color and um, just really express myself very easily. It feels very natural. And um, also, it's very accessible these days with technology, being able to do digital painting and things like that. Um, it, I'm actually surprised at how quickly I was able to build up a pretty robust portfolio and even get gallery representation. Um, there are a lot of people out there that are specifically interested in new media techniques, um, mm -hmm. which is wonderful for, for folks like me that sometimes that's, that's what we rely on to creatively express ourselves. But um, yeah, so lately I've been trying to bring more of those um, digital abstract paintings to life, um, whether it be through printing on canvas. I'm also really interested in acrylic prints because I feel like they add a lot of dimension to my work. Um, but I oh, also that, want to carve some. So That's cool. I hadn't yeah. heard about that. What are the acrylic prints? So there are, you know, actually... A lot of different services online that offer them now, but oh, okay. um, like photography prints, you know, you can do that. So basically, it just prints on a, a big block of acrylic. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, so it, I first saw it again with a photographer friend that was doing it that does did pretty um, pretty abstract photography mm -hmm. portrait pieces, and it was just really beautiful to see. And I was like, I'm gonna try this. It's mine, and um, really, really liked it. So um, even though, you know, it's your print and then the acrylic on top of it, essentially, it's not, you know, layered throughout, which would be even cooler if I was able to do something like that. But um, it still adds a lot of dimension to the image. And it's just a different different way of, of making art and printing art. Um, I've had a lot of fun just kind of making wood and the materials and things like that, just kind of challenging. Um, different perspectives and is that wood or is that this or you know mm -hmm. um and printing I, I printing is something that i would i would like to get more into I, I actually did a little bit of screen printing in in college but um but yeah so trying to get some of these abstract ideas out of my head and and onto wood or canvas or whatever it may be um but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and I've actually had a couple of pieces shown in different shows. Um, and it's also a, a way for me to, again, like creatively express myself when I can't be in the shop um, or, you know, if I'm traveling mm -hmm. or something, I'm like, Oh, I've got this idea or I really like 
um, this shape or the way the light shone this way or what have you. Um, I'm, I'm inspired by the weirdest things. So it's nice <laughs> to have uh, something kind of on the fly that I can like, you know, just jot out a shape or a thought yeah. or pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 I love your artwork. I mean, I've, 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 you know, Thank gone you. out to, to some of the stuff, I guess the five, three gallery that has some of your artwork there. And it's just so vibrant. I love the yeah. colors and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's really, it's really outstanding work. Yeah. Thank and, you so much. I yeah. appreciate it. And uh, relatively affordable, so I got to keep this away from my wife. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know how many um, picture frames I still need. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, well, tell us a little bit about uh, your work. I know it's dear and near and dear to you with the uh, Charleston Woodworking School. Yeah, so Charleston Woodworking School is basically our second home. Our our son, he when he was younger, literally called it the Charleston House. It was so funny. Um, Sam Sprouse, the founder, owner, lead instructor, um, he's basically like family to us now. Mm-hmm. Um, started it on his own. He, like me, had a back injury, but loved woodworking and furniture making and still wanted to make a living doing it. And so he founded the school and has built it up into what it is today and um this year they have a little bit smaller class but typically they take up to 12 to 14 students in their professional program that lasts from september to um first first week in june and um, i drop in and um, teach marketing and um, my tell your story workshop to kind of help with some creative development and get them a little interested in thinking about marketing and websites and social media like that, you know, stuff beyond the wood shop, you know, once they graduate. But yeah, um, yeah the school is just, it's become a really special place in Charleston for woodworkers to meet up and kind of learn. It's, it's awesome to be there because you just never know who's going to drop in every day. You know, if it's going to be some homeowner with this really crazy project or, you know, a friend from out of town or, um, and then, of course, Woody, um, the resident shop dog, he's he's my buddy. So I like <laughs> going and, and spending time with Woody. So. <laughs> well, that, that, yeah, that's that's fantastic. And I love it when uh, these schools, especially in their, you know, uh, long programs that they teach where they actually, you know, teach stuff like marketing and, you know, bookkeeping, how to do your taxes, how to market your work, all these kind of things that you really need to know. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, because you can be a great craftsman, artisan, but, and be a terrible businessman. Yep. So it, that's that's there's a two very distinct things there. Well, and that's the other thing is people might think, oh, well, I'm in woodworking, but I'm going into making debts, or I'm going into this, but you know that or the other. Um, every business has to have some sort of you know marketing representation presence out there. You know, you gotta have a business card probably need to have a website, you know, some sort of place for people to be able to find you and contact you online. Um, People think, oh, well, I'm just doing this. Well, it's still very important that you have some sort of marketing strategy. I mean, I think a lot of, (laughs) in general, a lot of artists aren't great business people, myself included. (laughs) I'll be completely honest, you know, like I I went to to school for communication, not international business. But um, also, as far as marketing goes, not discounting how important that is in a business strategy or your plan. 
um, when you do develop that. And I always tell my students to like, just again, be really intentional and set aside time because it's real easy to be like, I don't have time to set Facebook stuff. I don't have time to answer those emails. I don't have time to work on a business card. But that stuff is so important and it increases trust with your audience and potential mm -hmm. customers. It strengthens, strengthens mm -hmm. that relationship. And that's just what I emphasize to my students. It's like, it's that relationship, it's that connection that people are looking for. And if yep. you're not gonna put effort into that, people are gonna send that and then you're not gonna make that connect. So um, marketing isn't just, you know, throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping it sticks, even though sometimes it really does feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, there's a lot more involved, so and a lot more. Um, there's a lot more information that you can get as far as like data, knowing your audience, knowing who's reading your content, who's engaging, you know, in different areas. You know, say you have a business that serves several different counties, we can say, okay, with with these ads, you know, I I can see which county is most interested in this, that, or the other, and and you can't discount how important that information is. Not just in like how you advertise and market your business, but also how you plan your business strategy and how you grow. And that's it's just some really um, good information out there that just put a little bit of effort into these free, generally free social media tools, and you can actually get a lot of really valuable information back. Yeah, that is that is exactly true. Well, I would not I, I would not be remiss with if I didn't ask you how thing how you and Joseph are doing with the uh, Joseph Thompson Woodworks uh, business you have. How how are things going? Yeah. And what are y'all working on there? He is actually um, probably waiting on me to <laughs> get home so he can go down and work. We tag in and tag out. Um, yeah. So he actually for the past couple of years has been teaching regularly at the Charleston Woodworking School. So um, doing that part of the time and then um, commissions and things like that um, part of the time as well. I We collaborated on a series of live streams of his at the beginning of the pan pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, the designs lately have been all his. Um, he's had a lot of really interesting projects and commissions come across in the past few years. And I think right now um, he's working on a very smelly heart pine bookshelf. I almost mm. like, I can't even go in the shop because I'm just like trying to find. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's what he's working on right now. Um, like I said, I had some, some oak down there that I was working on for, for my stuff, but it's, we, we, we need to collaborate on something. Now that you, you bring it up, it's been a, it's been a minute since we've designed and, and built something together. So um, it might be time to do that. But then also, you know, um, like I had mentioned earlier, being able to make things for yourself. Mm -hmm. He is one that um, I, I really feel bad for because being a furniture maker, it's, you know, you think of something and it may be years before you're able to finally bring it to fruition or get it how you want it to be or actually see that idea like fully come to life. So it's actually been um, really nice over the past few years. Like I've had my work and my things to do and um, you know, my business to, to, to foster and grow. And then he's had his and to see him kind of let himself play creatively and have things finally built that, you know, he had been waiting on for, for years. It's been, I'm just really happy for him. And um, yeah, um, I think his most recent piece before this, 
um, was actually a really special table, um, a piece of wood from Middleton Place um, Plantation down here in Charleston. Um, one of the descendants of the enslaved there um, was able to get a piece of wood from from the property and came to us and asked Joseph to, to make a table for his home. Oh. Um, wow. So being able to do really special special projects like that. Um, and um, he's actually partnered with Mary May on a couple of things recently on some um, really historic projects uh, down in Charleston at the um, St. John the Baptist Church. They <laughs> redid, they had this, you know, like 250-year-old pastel chalk painting of you know, priest, and it's like sitting in our shop, and I'm just like, oh my god, please don't sneeze! Like nobody, you know, touch it, don't. But it's at the over overspray. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's it's just so fascinating. Like you're just like totally enamored with these with these pieces of history that come through your through your um shop. So so yeah, him and Mary have, have partnered on a couple of projects recently, but he's actually been teaching a whole lot and. Um, He's done, um, he's been teaching at the school, and then also it's he's not teaching a professional program at the school, he's been teaching, um, kind of his own side classes there as well. So, um, which has been nice, he's gotten to work on a lot of different projects. It's again, the topics that you could potentially study and the projects that can come through, um, are endless. So, he's just a really fantastic teacher. It's, I, it's got to be hard to be him because he's so talented in his own work, but he's just probably the best teacher I've ever seen as well. So it's like, you've got all this knowledge to make things, but you also have all this knowledge to share. And so finding that balance, I think sometimes is tricky. Oh yeah, that is tricky. Yeah. Uh, being able to teach and yeah, that is, that that's an art form in itself. Uh, Dude, we all have spouses that sing praises of us that way thank you katie yeah <laughs> you do <laughs> no i wish <laughs> i'm like wait a minute <laughs> yeah well let's you know. just say he's the patient one so okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah someone needs to be the patient one in a in a good relationship that's for sure mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be me uh so <laughs> 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 well, uh, let me let me ask you: Is there anything else that um, we haven't talked about that you'd like to promote, or uh, what's coming up next that people need to be on the lookout for? Yes, you know we have the Furniture Society Conference coming up in June. I'm really excited about that. We had another meeting for that today, so going to have some kind of women of woodworking programming slash meetup sort of thing going on there. So, if you're thinking about joining us in New Orleans, please do. Um, it's going to be our first first in-person conference since 2019. Yep. We've we've done virtual conferences the past two years, which has just been been awesome and um, have really helped us grow a very robust um, virtual programming uh, for throughout the year, not just for the conference. So, um, but it's time for us to get and meet back in person and make those connections. And um, that's one of the reasons why these conferences are so fun. You get to come out and see old friends and meet new friends and learn new things and um, just get new perspectives and new ideas. And, um, you know, New Orleans is a great city for that. I'm very excited for all the food. So um, yeah. I'm going to be focusing on that. And then um, just the Wood Art Alliance and, and keep promoting and, and growing over there. So, yeah. 
Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, New Orleans is going to be great, especially y'all are early June, so it's still nice in New Orleans that time of year. So it's not in August or September. I hope so. It, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, well, well, you're going from, you know, I guess the most beautiful city in the South, in Charleston, South Carolina, to probably at least in the top five with New Orleans. So New Orleans it, is up there, though. Yeah. You know, um, I do love that city because it does feel so so much like home and um i actually grew up in texas myself so um been to new orleans several times so i think the reason why i balk is i um did one trip down in the middle of july one year and i just remember sitting in the parking lot and it was like my car thermometer was reading like 104 105 and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> i've heard from multiple people that Louisiana and Mississippi area that has the worst humidity in the country. Yeah, uh, we're used it's, to it. Texas says, "Hold my it's, drink." <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here, you, you know, you know, I'm I'm on the bay, so you know, they they don't have any. Their humidity is what I have here, so you know, it probably doesn't phase me. I'm used to it, I guess that kind of thing. But you know, but yeah, I mean, probably. I'm used to it. I run from one air conditioned space to the next <laughs> air conditioned. Yeah. Space. <laughs> and you bring a spare shirt. That's what we do here in Charleston in the summer. That's that's when you know a it's officially shirt. summer. You, yep. you wear a shirt, and then when you get there, you change into your spare shirt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why I complain about New Orleans. I, I live in a swamp here. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Charleston is, is still pretty humid. But I will say, like, one of my visits to New Orleans, I did. I had to, like, duck into. It actually ended up being a really cool art museum. I was about to just pass out. Yes. It was just so high. I was like, wow, this is this is next level here. So um yeah, Kyle, you must you must have some hair on your chest if you can handle it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> L- luckily where I live, I have a nice sea breeze coming in. So it's it's not too there bad. It's worse in Houston actually than it is here. So anyway. Uh, my only time to to Narlands was in February. I think I was just like a week or two before Mardi Gras. So it was very tolerable at that time. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yes. that's that's an ideal time. I I remember I went in March one year and it was just like okay. This is, yeah, it was nice. This is nice. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's move on to our fortnightly beer choices. So I'll start us off. I'm just uh, I'm just having Guinness. Um, actually, this is some leftovers from a little St. Patrick's Day celebration. So um, I just uh, had two left, and so there you go. <laughs> so uh brian what are you drinking so i'm kind of changing it up for my normal um i'm drinking uh, a stateside vodka soda which is uh brewed here in pennsylvania and down the philly area um they, they like i wouldn't say it's white claw because if you ever try white claw white claw is disgusting like yes, yes. i, saw, oh, I, I saw, was about to hit you with the white claw yeah i anyway. saw a meme once that said drinking a white claw is the equivalent of somebody uh, the equivalent of drinking tv static while somebody yells from another room the name of a fruit flavor. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but this stuff is actually pretty good. I got turned on to it uh, during a, a th- three-day uh, sports uh, event that we had recently. And uh, so it's a nice nice change-up. I could see it being a nice hot day barbecue kind of drink. Um, but it's mm-hmm. I'm impressed. It's not a, not a good New England IPA, but it's it's definitely got its place. There you go. Yeah. Sean, there how about you? So I just like Kyle, I got a little holdover from uh, the just past St. Patty's Day. Uh, I've got a Fatheads Brewery, uh, St. Fatty's Red Ale. It's just uh-huh. a it's a good red ale, uh, you know, for the 
for the Irish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, not not too bad. Katie, how about you? Well, I I don't drink much anymore. I think maybe it was White Claw that caused that. <laughs> 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 Is anybody old enough to remember Zima? Anymore. Zima, yeah, Zima oh, was great. Yeah. I Zima mean, was a Jolly Rancher. Yes. So. Yeah, Jolly Ranchers and Zima. <laughs> this, this is like a full, like a, the fashion coming back again. It's, it's It reminds me of that. Sorry. Oh, gosh. No. Um, <laughs> no. Um, my I just don't seem to tolerate alcohol very well anymore, but um, I would have a few sips of um, High Wire Distillery's Hat Trick Gin. Um, they're family, so I'm a little biased, but um, their product is just so clean and nice and it's distilled here in Charleston. It was actually the first distillery, I think, um, on the peninsula since like pre-prohibition. So wow. um, they have some really fabulous, fabulous liquors. So, yeah. Oh, I'll have to look into that. I'm always yeah. like the little local uh, distillery. So yeah, we have a, we have a few around here too. It seems to be the new thing. It used to be craft beers. Now it's uh distillery. Right. So, but it's all good. It's all good. Well, so Katie, where can folks find you on the interwebs and you can only list 10 things. <laughs> uh, well, I only exist on the internet, so that's good. Um, I'm not a real person. I'm not a real person. I am an AI. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chad, Chad GPT has gotten out of control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is Chat Katie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> if only they could make me into one of those like robot dog things that like flip itself over and like jump off tables. That would be. Oh really my cool. god. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, well, you can find me on Instagram at Women of Woodworking, um, and I have, of course, a link tree there in my pro- profile that will link to, you know, interviews, our YouTube, um, our newsletter, and things like that. So, but Instagram um, is kind of the hub for that. And then, of course, um, my personal account is um, the Electric KT. Um, I talk about my work on there some, but that's more focused on family and my advocacy work and things like that. Um, you can also follow me at Pen and Chisel. Um, that's on Instagram as well. And yeah, I'll just leave it all to Instagram <laughs> to keep it nice and simple. Um, do a little bit of Facebook, um, not a whole lot anymore, but TikTok is it's fun, but we'll see how much how much longer that will be around. So yeah, we'll, we'll see you on IG. There you go. There you go. Brian, what about yourself? So Instagram is also where I live on the socials. Uh, my Instagram is Obst, which is O-B-S-T, Woodworks. And that's pretty much it. No Twitter for me. Kyle, how about yourself? Uh, you can always find me on Instagram at Barton.Kyle or BB Custom Tools, bbcustomtools.com, or on YouTube under BB Custom Tools or Kyle Barton. So Sean, what about yourself? Yeah, and I'm I'm Sean W78 on most social medias. I will say I'm not on TikTok, I'm barely ever on Twitter, uh, but I'm still out there. All right. So, uh, so Brian, do we have any reviews? We do. We have a couple of reviews here regarding episode 441 with Paul Jasper. I really enjoyed that. He was he's a real nice guy, uh, very very you know articulate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, our first review here is from Sawdust Woman, uh, aka Amanda Russell. Uh, she's a woodworker and a teacher. Um, I saw on our, on our feeds just a couple boxes and some small pieces, furniture pieces. Um, she says, yes, at Cooper Pig Fine Woodworking. <laughs> and in the same episode, we also have Bearcat, Bearcat Wood, uh, which is Brian Noel or Noel. 
We're not quite sure. I think it's Newell. And he says, awesome with hands up emoji. But if you would like us to put your name and uh, on the on the air here, you can leave us a review on any of the social media platforms that we're on. You can also leave us a, a, a iTunes review, uh, preferably a five-star review, which helps us get it out in front of some additional people. We'd very much appreciate it. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.